passion, or could it just be heat? What about not knowing if your very next breath will be your last? What about all three? Midas Interactive. Welcome to Laps Gamer Radio. This is your weekly news and chatter episode for the week commencing 14th of March. As usual, we'll briefly chat about what we've been playing over the past week and then take a look at the news from the video game world over the past week. I've realised I've never introduced myself, so I'm Mark, if you were wondering. And joining me today, we've got Kev, Lee and Andy as usual, and a special guest, Stuart Neal. Yay! <laughs> so Stuart, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, certainly. Um, my name's Stuart, and let's say I'm a 37-year-old gamer. Two kids, let's say. Primary platform, um, I would probably say I'm active. Um, primary platform would be Steam on the PC and what have you, but I do have a PS3 and a Wii U as well. Good man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice phrase. All bases covered, yeah. Yeah, and a, a fur backlog. If I wanted to start going through all of that, it covers... <laughs> oh, I can get access to the PS2, I've got a GameCube, I've got a Dreamcast. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, I've, I've got a PS1, and most of it's up in the loft. Yeah, I was so going to say, I'm impressed <laughs> that you've managed to keep all of those whilst having two children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually quite fortunate. I have a reasonable PC monitor um, that I've been able to get both the Dreamcast, the PC, and the GameCube all connected up to. Brilliant. It's amazing. Um, so I, I have one monitor that does all those, and then the PS3 and the Wii U are connected to the main TV. Uh, so it works out quite nicely. Yeah, I'm well, envious. That's Lee's dream <laughs> setup. <Yeah. laughs> does the um, Dreamcast work okay with a flat screen monitor? Because I, I, uh, I never use them with a CRT. Yeah, no, um, I've got a VGA adapter, so it, so it just goes through ah. that. For the odd game that doesn't work at 60Hz through the VGA, it's a reasonably sort of old monitor, so it still actually has an SVHS output as well. So it does, so I can actually put it through that um, for the ah. very rare occasions where it doesn't work. So it's, uh, I'm quite lucky. Unbelievable. Yeah. God, I, I miss my Dreamcast. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was flawed from the start. I mean, I've kind of got a soft spot for it. Like, I've got a soft spot for for games that try but fail. Like a solid six out of ten, something that tries something new but <laughs> yeah. fails mm-hmm. at something. Yeah, I've always, I've always had a soft spot for the Dreamcast. Well, if ever you look at what the Dreamcast was trying to do, you just think, "Good God, you were miles ahead of everybody else at the time." Yeah. You know, yeah, they just couldn't stick the landing. Online play, for God's sake! Yeah. You know, it was there already. <laughs> Sorted it. And uh, what was the the um the little thing with the screen that you could plug into the controller? Oh, the Wii VMU it was yeah. the oh, yes. memory unit. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah. So it was with there was a handful of games that actually let you download um, a little pocket game to those, and you could actually take away and sort of boost up your scores. Oh, yes, things like DLC, that. Yeah, DLC <laughs> for your little VMU. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was well. It was in and around the same time as the PS One had their little um, PS Play or whatever, or PS Go. Oh yeah, um, oh, yeah. But then that was a Japanese only, whereas the Dreamcast would have been um, was all over. I got uh, really excited about the PlayStation One because uh, I believe it, it had some compatibility with Final Fantasy VIII in Japan, and I was hoping and praying that it was going to come out in the West, and then no, it never happened. <laughs> I think there was a little bit of compatibility with one of the Ridge Racers as well. I think that was what caught my eye whenever they were talking about it in the magazines. Yeah. 
So we've had a question from the community, uh, Justin Knowles, aka Dan Ragnar, at Justin underscore Knowles on Twitter, has said, is there a particular game or series or genre that you would like to see make a comeback? If so, what improvements should it have? And Justin's come up with his own answer saying he loves classic RPGs, so he's set with games with uh, like Pillars of Eternity, but he'd love to see a new game uh, with the latest D&D rules. So what do you guys think? Um... I don't know, I've never really got into the D&D game, so I didn't. Um, but certainly, well, the thing is, though, you know, you're, if you're talking about sort of particular games and what have you making a comeback, but he's got pillars. <laughs> you know, he doesn't really make much else. <laughs> no, no. And there was um, Wasteland 2 as well, for people who uh, yeah. who, who, who miss the original Fallout-style point-and-click uh, isometric RPGs. And that's supposed to be very good. That came out on uh, PlayStation recently as well. Yeah, it's about to pick it up for quite cheap now. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to play it, but I don't have the time. Unfortunately, it's probably. It's be, I think it's like hundreds of hours of content in that. I think Pillars is in around that as well, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's like you know, like Baldur's Gate and games like that. Like, yeah. you need to dedicate a lot of time to it. Destruction Derby. That's the old PS One. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the launch games on PS One, and that was great fun. And yet, nobody's done anything since. Not PS Two. Mm. Not PS Three. Nothing. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose I Burnout. A sequel on the PS1, wasn't Didn't Burnout kind of incorporate a lot of that kind of car carnage? Um, in- yeah. But that was going to be yeah. my answer, actually, is I miss mm. the Burnout series. That was great I fun. I so bad. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you could do the insurance claims. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the um, the crash challenges on um, Burnout Paradise. Know, was it? it Burnout? Was oh, it Burnout okay. Revenge? Yeah, uh, yeah the, the Burnout. The, the, they were kind of lessened a little bit on Burnout mm. Paradise, but um, Burnout Revenge was the the last one. Uh, the, the, that was the one that came out on PS2, wasn't it? PS2 yeah. and original Xbox. Yeah, and then they ported it to 360, and I played so much <laughs> of that on 360. Just a really good, like, the crash party thing where you just pass the controller, taking turns trying to get the highest score on the crash party. Yeah, that was heaps of fun. Love that so much, yeah. Mm. And they brought out that top-down one on uh, Xbox Live Arcade and PlayStation Network called Burnout Crash. That was just a a top-down 2D, caused the biggest crash uh, that you possibly could. And that was ridiculous fun as well. But then... Criterion have kind of been moved on to the Need for Speed series mm. and, and Battlefield Hardline yeah. and Star Wars Battlefront and unfortunately it seems that Burnout's yeah, disappeared. Yeah, but there's nothing like that now. You know, there's no Destruction Derby, no Burnout. No. I'd just love to smash cars again, apart from in Grand Theft Auto. Well, there was that um, there was that Icelandic company that tried to incorporate Burnout-style crashes and things like that into their take on Ridge Racer. Uh, I think it was Ridge Racer Unbounded, mm. but it was pretty rubbish. So um, yeah, I miss I miss Burnout series. I really do. I was actually just thinking there, um, Destruction Derby, um, with a decent net code and just online play. That'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, don't even update the graphics. Just put that online. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> and uh, so you did you have some other ideas of your own that games that you might like to see uh, revisited? Yeah, um, I'd put in um, I'd quite like Snatcher um, from the old Mega CD uh, making a comeback. Um, so it, mm. it was sort of a Blade Runner-esque um, sort of game. I also included Blade Runner um, mm. remake that was on the PC probably oh, um, 10, 12 years ago now. Um, mm. And also games that have sort of uh, a while back um, been playing was sort of the FMV-based puzzle games uh, like Ripper and the Black Dahlia. Yeah. Um, I was actually looking back through the cast list on Ripper. It had Christopher Walken, um, mm-hmm. Ka- Karen Allen, 
and Paul Giamatta. Wow. Uh, ne- That's never everybody. Mind. There's, probably, uh, there's probably a handful of other ones. And The Black Dahlia was definitely Dennis Hopper, but I'm not sure who else was in it. You know, something like that. Um, you could, you know, you probably have your choice of the actors and what have you these days, are the ones mm. that actually do want to sign up for the games. Um, so yeah, yeah. So something like that, uh, making a comeback, or sort of along those lines, as opposed to you know people like Kevin Spacey just playing a, um, <laughs> a sort of an artificial and you know character as such um, in a game. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, at least in the FMV games, they're actually talking to you and you're interacting with them. Mm. Can you imagine how hard it would have been to record Dennis Hopper? <laughs> just, just the logistics <laughs> they've probably, of getting They've probably got sober. a couple of words a day, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It must have took them about 14 years to record the audio for him. <laughs> I'd love anything sort of set in the Dune universe. So obviously it's oh, got to be yeah. when you had the old oh, yeah. point and click on the Amiga um, decades ago and then you obviously had Dune 2 as the sort of top-down RTS. I'm not even, to be honest, it could be any genre, just something kind of set in that that universe because I think there's just so much kind of scope and potential and it's just sadly not really been followed on. They did do a couple of sequels to June, didn't they? They did... um there was there was June CD on the Mega CD, yeah. was, which was a fantastic game, and actually sort of vaguely sort of followed the plotline um, of the actual film itself. What have you? And wasn't um, just the real time strategy game. Um, so yeah, I really liked it. So did because um, it even used likenesses and things of Sting and um, uh, Kyle MacLachlan and stuff. So that yeah, it was real. It was really because I, I still remember being taken aback the first time I played through the point and click adventure first June game. How um, it's like you know that you look at them now they're heavily pixelated but they did manage to capture a likeness of the you know the live action cast from the david lynch film and yep. you know that, that just made it so much more like immersive and I, yeah i'm trying to think they did something where they did try and carry on the storyline and introduce a few sort of different factions because I, I can remember playing they re-released june 2 as june 2000 but then I, i'm sure they brought out another sequel um like emperor of june or something like that uh, yes, I think it was, and I'm trying to think. I think it was even Michael Dorn, uh, Worf from Star Trek: Next Generation, was actually in it. Right, got yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. it was, but yeah, um, there was a couple of other ones spin-offs on the PC. I don't think they were released on anything else though. No, it See, just messing with my mind. <laughs> that's really messing with my mind now. Michael Dorn in June—that's as bad as having Tom Baker in Star Wars. Give over. <laughs> How about you, Andy? Um, well, I quite agree with um, Justin. Um, it, with um, D&D I think that's a license that's sort of lapsed that needs to be brought back mm. maybe like a, as a Skyrim type of game um, that would be quite interesting I mean we've got so many re- we've got so many licenses with Forgotten Realms etc I would have fought Warhammer until you know the last couple of months <laughs> when there's about 20 odd games <laughs> being released <laughs> um I was going to say Warhammer or Warhammer 40,000 well it's more Warhammer the um, fantasy battle rather than the um, 40k but there was an article in Kotaku I think it was where there's so many being released it's like the, the basic the gist is that the quantity hiding the quality so there's a few good games coming out yeah. through that there's a, there's a lot of the 40k ones coming yeah. out now although I think Total War Warhammer um, being published by yeah. Sega should be coming out soon yeah um, yeah they're releasing so many that <laughs> um, people are actually writing to their MPs now yeah <laughs> <laughs> So not only has Stuart been kind enough to join us on the show today, but he's also uh, got some goodies to give away, Um, some codes for Steam games. Now, most of us aren't really PC gamers. I can't because my PC is a steaming pile of junk that's barely working at the moment. (laughs) 
Um, so wondering if you could talk a little bit about the games you've got codes for and um, some gems that you might have found on oh, Steam. Oh, well, um, the ones that I do have the codes for and what have you, I haven't actually played. Um, so okay. I have no idea on the sort of quality of it. <laughs> I do know that um, Time Gentleman Plays and Being There, Dan, that is like a, a very roughly drawn um, point-and-click adventure, so it is. And um, I think Zach Zero is like a platforming shooter, um, so it is. Um, but as for sort of other games and what have you, um, there's just such a range um, on Steam. You know, it's it just covers such a huge um, uh, amount, more so than the consoles and what have you. With there is Ooh. a lot of rubbish on Steam as well. There though. is, yes. Um, but within that, uh, there's still an awful lot of little bargains and um, just little gems. Um, even the sort of uh, the free-to-play ones. Um, there's a handful of little gems in there that aren't um, necessarily just the free-to-play um, MMOs. Yeah. Well, you, you were on about little gems. I mean, there's some of them filtering through even now to like the bigger platforms. Like, well, not bigger platforms, oh, but uh, wider, wider audience. Prepare for PC. Sorry. PC Fiori. <laughs> you've started it off now. <laughs> oh, oh, my word. No, who woke you up? <laughs> but, you know what I mean? The wider audience where they've got um, stuff like Broforce that... Uh, came out on PC straight away, and um, mm. uh, Thomas was alone and things like that. So there's stuff that does filter yeah. through, you know. And um, then, of course, it's still got to get past everybody that plays Call of Duty or FIFA. So <laughs> back to square one. I heard that um, Kerbal Space Program is getting a console release as well in the not too distant future. I'm not sure how that's going to work with a controller, but um, Steam does seem to be a launch pad for a lot of games to get out onto the wider platform. I think particularly with indie games, mm. what have you, know, mm. things like, as you say, Thomas was alone, but even other things like Limbo and Breed yeah, yeah. Um, were all Fantastic on games. PC. Mm. Yeah, mm. you know, massively well-rated before they even got to the consoles. Mm. Yeah, and these are like free to play ones. Would let's just say that someone's listening, and you know they were interested in games on in a bygone time, and they haven't really invested in the the newest generation of consoles. Would they be able to play these? Are they are they the free to play games still requiring like a high end gaming PC or not? Um, some of them do. Yes, um, some of the multiplayer ones and what have you would require something a little more special. Um, one of the ones I play at the minute is Dirty Bomb, uh, which is a first-person shooter, um, sort of squad-based, um, with different missions and things. Now it's really good, but um, it would take a little bit more graphical grunt um, mm. to actually you know, get that going. Um, but certainly, you're talking about um, the um, Bro Force um, that was on the PS Plus there <laughs> for the PS4. There's a free version called Expander Bros. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> which was re- which was released in conjunction with the Expendables films. Amazing. And now it, it, it's on free to play, and um, you play as each of the characters from the Expendables within it. And I haven't actually played Broforce, but from what I can tell, it's very very mm. similar. And mm. uh, it, it's a nice. It would be a nice taster for somebody who um, you know wanted to at least try it um, before possibly moving up to Broforce. Mm. Um, there's other little puzzle games and what have you. Um, that say there's uh, missing translation, um, which is one that I played recently. Um, and it has. I'm not entirely sure of the story behind it, but um, it, there's different little puzzle areas within it, um, with about maybe 20 puzzles um, in about maybe three or four areas, and they're different little either tile puzzles or um, sort of similar things. 
Um, so that was quite good. There's even stuff like Echoes Plus um, is a lovely little twin-stick shooter, completely free on Steam, and um, <clears throat> again, doesn't take too much um, spec-wise to actually run, and it's got built-in online leaderboards and everything, so it does. You know, so there's plenty there for people who actually want to try mm. something, um, but don't necessarily have either the money or the time to put into something in-depth. Yeah, because you're saying, you know, you can kind of you know, get Steam installed relatively painlessly and, uh, you know, be up and running playing these, some, of, some of these free games that don't necessarily follow the normal or the kind of reputation of just being sort of shovelware, if you know what I mean, or just kind of like yeah. tat. Um, so, yeah, no, that could be an avenue, could be a gateway for someone to, you know, get back into the hobby. And then, of course, they'll end up seeing the price of games on Steam and then there'll be no looking back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, just I've got Steam open here at the moment, so I so if I go into the week long deals, there's two hundred and fourteen. <laughs> they range. What? They range from nineteen p. Um, so they do upwards to I think a couple of the software packs and what have you for either creating audio or even games themselves. Um, if I just have a quick scoot down, sorting on lowest price, there's ten on the first page of 25 that all have good ratings um, from the community mm. and they are 67p or less. That's even less than iPhone apps or Google apps. Yep. <laughs> that That's ridiculous. What is. There's uh, one game on PC that I would love to pay, play but I, I kind of need a laptop for it. Um, looking at it now, it's only about 1090 honesty at the moment and that's uh, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. The um, asynchronous multiplayer game where one person is trying to defuse a bomb and the other person has a guidebook <laughs> and the person who's got the bomb describes what they're seeing in front of them and the other person has to go through the guidebook and explain to them how to defuse the bomb um, and it looks and from what I've heard on, on various podcasts where people have played it it sounds like so much fun and um, I've noticed they've added uh, Oculus Rift support into it as well so <laughs> you could play it in VR if you wanted aside from the the wacky stuff that Nintendo does. I think that, that PC gaming, uh, especially on Steam, is where uh, game developers feel more freedom to try and experiment with with stuff that would never fly normally. And then if it's successful, it usually ends up on a console as well. Yeah, definitely. Even with um, one of the new releases that an awful lot of people are talking about is Stardew Valley. Um, it's mm. sort of like a, I want to say farming simulator, but I think it's a little bit more um, in-depth than that. And certainly there's a lot of people on uh, the gaming community on Twitter um, who are saying very good things about that. Now that's done by a single um, programmer and developer, so it is, um, who's actually released a number of patches and everything um, over the last month um, due to community feedback and things like that. And that would never happen on a console. No. <laughs> okay, the games are Steel Storm, Legendary, Canyon Capers, Ocean City Racing, Time Gentleman Please, and Been There, Dan That Pack, and Zach Zero. So, first come, first served, just whoever tweets in, and um, I'm sure we could probably put the list of the games in the show notes as well, just so that people have them there. Yeah. Okay, yep, so if uh, you want to have any of those game codes, we'll probably try and have it to one per person, depending on uh, how much response we get. So, if you want to just tweet the title of the game that you're interested into at Laps Gamer or go over to our Facebook page and leave a comment there and of course remember to thank Stuart and where can people find you on Twitter to be able to do that? I am at Saintly Stuart fairly easy to find well we thank you for your generosity <laughs> and as i say it's uh, getting harder and harder to resist the lure of, of lure back to steam in my case but um you know f- for others i think maybe logistically or they might just find pc game over complicated but as you're saying it doesn't have to be you don't it doesn't have to be that you have to yeah. play the high-end uh, game so it's certainly something to consider if you want greater diversity in your kind of gaming menu 
So, just move on to what we've been playing over the past week. Stuart, do you want to start us off? Um, I've been mostly trying to make a dent in my backlog of Steam games, and actually I've been playing um, sort of a handful of free ones. Um, so I have, so let's see, first off was The Plan, um, which is where you play as a little fly, moving up through canopy of trees, um, just avoiding wind and leaves being blown about. Um, an interesting game, took me about, I don't know, about 10-15 minutes to sit and play through. It has a really nice little easter egg though, um, so it does, once you actually complete the game first time, uh, if you go back to the main menu and click on the credits, um, the fly actually then turns into Navi um, from the Zelda games. Um, so it's just quite <laughs> nice, you're actually then flying around as Navi, which is quite cool. Um, Listen! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, Pink Heaven was like a little sort of um, 8-bit um, platformer game, again, probably about 15-20 minutes uh, to play through. Um, I think it actually has two endings, uh, depending on a choice that you make at the start of the game. Let's see, there was the old tree, which, <laughs> whenever I played it, it's a point-and-click game. Um, you have to clear obstacles for a weird sort of octopus-looking creature. Um, so you just to make its way up to the top of a tree. There was Echoes Plus, which is actually one of the games that I had been talking about um, as one of the free ones, uh, which is a lovely little twin-stick shooter. Um, so it, is, it gets really crazy on screen um, whenever you actually start progressing through the levels. Uh, you just level up um, as you go along and sort of increase your score. A very, very nice little game. Uh, there was Murder, which is a... Very short, disappointingly short um, point-and-click adventure um, on Steam. It actually feels like the sort of a prologue um, to a game, um, kind of in the style of, or storyline-wise, to like iRobot or Blade Runner. But again, it was only about 20 minutes, and it was all over, and I really wanted it to go on a little bit more, because it was a really... The graphic style looked like um, Beneath a Steel Sky, um, the old point-and-click adventure, so it did, and uh, it was really, really nice. And you and again these these shorter ones like these shorter bursts of gaming they're they're not retail like they're not um you know they're the free to play ones are they those ones you've mentioned um the first couple that I went through there were um, murder is sitting at one ninety nine which is maybe a little much for all that you get out of it um so it is um but I have noticed you can actually get it on Android for ninety nine p um so certainly it's one to possibly look out for if it ever drops down a little bit okay let's see what else um I was playing hitman sniper on Android oh nice I'm trying to think did I pay for that or was it free? I think it might have been free at one stage um so it was it's very like the hitman sniper challenge um that came free with um blood money i want to say uh, it's absolution oh it was absolution yes so you're just in one location and um, sort of the people move about um, the same similar way each time you play, um, but you have different targets or different objectives um, for each time. Um, I actually really enjoyed Hitman Sniper, um, so I did, and I was really disappointed that they didn't do more of those or at least more levels um, on the PC game. But um, they are introducing a zombie level um, on Hitman Sniper on uh, mobile devices, so they are because every game has to have zombies. <laughs> so it does. I'm I'm waiting for the Zelda zombie game. <laughs> uh, so it was nice, and um, I think I picked up yesterday um, Stack on Android. It's a little sort of block moving across the screen, and you have to stop it at exactly the right time. Um, any bits that are overhanging um, drop off, so your little area of trying to stop the block um, gets progressively smaller, um, unless you can get exact matches, in which case it then starts increasing again. 
again, free to play um, on Android and a nice little sort of diversion for every time you have a couple of minutes with your phone in your hand. Yeah, no, it's really good to hear that because I, I often find it overwhelming, like going onto the uh, App Store. So I, I, oh, it completely I is, tend yeah. to, I've kind of fallen, I've fallen off Steam a long time ago, but I fell off kind of like playing on my phone for a while as well. Um, but, you know, it's good to hear then there's still some gems out there because, uh, you know, I'm often thinking, oh, I wish I did have something I could just sort of waste five minutes on, you know, when you get those moments. Yeah. It's whenever you go into the um, app store, and some of them just seem a little overpriced for all they are. Um, and okay, the free ones do have ads and everything built into them, but if it is only for maybe you know a thirty seconds or a minute, just to, as a quick distraction, they're not too bad. Yeah, but it can be very overwhelming. Whenever I'm on, I sort of vaguely look at um, developers um, that I know have made sort of reasonable things. Um, guys like Noodle Cake Games, um, who have done things like Punch Quest. And uh, I think it's Random Heroes, etc. Um, they're you know a, quite a good studio. Other bits and pieces, um, yeah, it's overwhelming. Um, so it is. <laughs> no, but again, you know, that's a great way for someone who hasn't played a game for a while to dive in because we've all got these ubiquitous, you know, devices now. So it's, it would be a lot easier yeah. for someone to you know play a game again for uh, having been away from the hobby for a while. Maybe going down the iOS Android route. Yeah, no, certainly, you know, that's. Always sort of the sticking point whenever I'm looking at a an, a portable gaming um, machine like a DS or a Beta, uh, yeah. you know, I, I've got a smartphone in my pocket. You know, I don't need something else to carry around with with me, so I don't. So, no, the um, certainly Apple and Android. There's, it's hard to wade through what's there, but there are little gems um, that can be there. And to be honest, with the free to play ones, if you don't like them uninstalled, that's then gone. You know, it's taken up maybe a couple of minutes of your time and you haven't lost anything, so you haven't. Okay, that's good advice. Uh, so that I think, covers. Oh, uh, one other one was Luft Risers, oh, yeah. uh, which was oh. Curve Digital. Um, I think it is. Um, a fantastic little twin stick shooter um, done in sort of monochrome graphics and what have you. And vaguely sort of World War Two ish But yeah, just a really good wee shooter. Yeah, that's been, a, that was on Plus, wasn't it, yeah, I think? Yeah. On occasion. yeah. It was, yeah, yeah it was it on was, Plus yeah. a good wee while ago last year sometime, so it was at least sort of six to nine months ago, I think. Mm. So that covers off just about everything. Other than, well, I've been sitting playing Hearthstone <laughs> as well, but <laughs> that's sort of <laughs> ubiquitous so it is. Uh, I think the new expansion's been announced for it, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. And I think they're changing up the play formats as well. Um, I think they're ditching the um, all cards um, way and sort of only giving you access to the basic set and the newest set. Uh, whenever the new expansion is going to be released, so it'll be interesting to see how that um, shakes up a lot of the gameplay uh, for people. Did I see the? I'm I'm pretty sure that at E3 last year, Bethesda announced that they were going to be releasing a, a sort of Hearthstone-style card game based around the Elder Scrolls series. I haven't heard that. That would be interesting, but mm. I think Blizzard have the card market uh, I think fairly well wrapped up um, yeah. I think for anybody who doesn't play Hearthstone mm. they're more than likely going to be playing um, Magic uh, so yeah. they are on PC um, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of room there for something else um, mm. for people who have um, mobile devices and what have you it's not quite the same but there's WWE Supercard mm-hmm. as well which is very like it's sort of top trumps and what have you um, although I've I think I gave that up about a month ago. Um, it was just one of those ones where I was nearly just logging in each day just to get the daily bonus and uh, not really playing an awful lot of it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how well um, a Bethesda card game would work and mm. if there was really the market for it. They have to go down the free-to-play route. I can't really see anybody actually yeah. paying for it. 
and they have to make sure that it's on mobile. Um, otherwise, mm. they're going to face an awful lot of um, hassle with it. Yeah, well, I think Bethesda have probably got the resources to make it a free-to-play mobile game if they wanted. I've been holding out hope, although I don't think it's going to happen, that there will be a mobile version of Gwent, the card game from The Witcher 3, because it's as far as like in-game card games go, it's one of the best I've ever played. I've got a physical version um, that came with the special edition with the season oh, yeah. pass. Same here. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a really re- you haven't played The Witcher Three, have you, Andy? Nope, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> prepare to sink. So, to prepare, like uh, d- despite the fact that the game is a couple of hundred hours long, if you want to do everything, compared to prepare to sink dozens and dozens of hours into playing Gwent because it's <laughs> once you get your teeth into it, it's addictive. Well, I know that I'd bring you out in a cold sweat if I dare mention uh, <laughs> a certain Nintendo title because uh, I did listen to last week's show today uh, and it was very enjoyable, apart from obviously all the anti. <laughs> Uh, toad bashing but um, no I'll, I'll spare you that on this occasion I've, uh, I've actually only been um, sort of I hadn't really had much time to play games but I have started um, Thomas Was Alone which is a game that I've obviously known by a title uh, for a number of years it being very kind of critically acclaimed but I think whenever I saw sort of little static screenshots of it it, um, it clearly kind of didn't uh, sort of sell the game to me it didn't really give me a sense of just how kind of like magical it is so this is um is it mike bithel when he's made yeah. another game since then hasn't he uh, volume volume, volume? Yeah. yeah that's right yes yeah, so, i mean i'm sure you guys are well aware of what thomas uh, was alone is about the kind of like indie uh, puzzle platform when some of you may, may have played it but yeah so just got it on wii u uh play site planet my son was instantly attracted to it you know we were making up silly voices for the different shapes to kind of like further emphasize their differing personalities that you know the game the actual narration um throughout the the game itself uh, brings to the fore and then i just instantly went and bought it on um vita because i see it's got extra dlc on there yeah. and yeah just been playing that you know as much as i've been traveling away uh, went to a wedding party but whenever i got a spare moment uh, before you know the event as it were I, w- I was playing on that and i can't wait to you know get back to it I, from my, my understanding it's not particularly long is that right no. that'll be right yeah um each level is probably about maybe five ten minutes um possibly um i think there's what 10 levels over uh 10 levels over 10 sections uh, so there's yeah. so i think the dlc adds um an 11 section with another 10 levels on it so it does um so yeah it's not it won't take you an awful long time to play but it's just lovely to play it yeah. oh yeah no i'm gonna i'm gonna savor it definitely and i've just again just incredible um although i i'm i'm from what they're kind of setting up with the different kind of character dynamics i am anticipating that i won't be able to play it through to completion with my son because i get the impression it's going to have more sort of like mature themes as we go on <laughs> um with certain shapes possibly dying <laughs> but um yeah no it's, it's just incredible seeing him how quickly he's taken to it and i think that really kind of brings home to me uh, the intelligence of the design it's such a kind of like simple game this idea that you've got these different um, shapes that are able to kind of jump and move in slightly different ways and you've got to uh, you know get them to cooperate and work together to you know, navigate you know the levels to their, their end portals you know so simple but it's just the amount of personality that Danny Wallace's voiceover brings to it and, and the writing mm. uh, it, it, and just you know again just seeing how um, tangibly attracted to the whole kind of idea of it, my son was as like you know really young gamer, uh, and him being able to control it on the gamepad, um, yeah, just really really enjoyable. It was like a really magical kind of like gaming moment for me. So yeah, it's taken me so long to discover it, but I'm really really pleased uh, that I have. 
So, um, Andy or Mark or Stuart, you've you've completed this already, haven't you? You've yes, this. Um, I've actually had the Steam equivalent of platinum it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, I've got all the achievements and everything on it already. Um, I well, it was a couple of months ago, I think, just before Christmas there that I finished it. Um, yeah, just a really really nice game, and it's just it's such a simple concept, but it's so well done. Yeah, no, I think that's it. You know, that's the epitome of it. Is it'd be easy to dismiss as kind of like disposable and um, very kind of like minuscule, but it's the the execution. It is they've elevated it so much by adding in um, that almost kind of like psychology and personality to the shapes. I mean, I don't want to get pretentious and 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 you know, you, it doesn't need to be solved purely on that basis. But I just do think the level design and what they do with kind of like lighting, and although it is so kind of uh, basic, just the fact that the shapes kind of like move slightly differently, and mm. just, just some of the, the dialogue is hilarious, like the way it, <laughs> it actually does make you start to personify you know, these really basic shapes and see them as individuals. It's, it's an incredible achievement and I definitely will, I mean, Volume would have probably been a game that I wouldn't even have looked twice at because now I know it's the same, um, you know, creator. I'd be really interested to see what he does. I mean, I take it it's a completely different style of game. Yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like a... Yeah, it's it, Volume's a bit more like, the, if you remember, the, the VR missions from yeah, the original yeah. Metal Gear Solid. Um, that sort of uh, stealth game. But I remember uh, listening to Mike Bethel talk in an interview when he was uh, showcasing volume at some games conference and he was talking a little bit about uh, Thomas Was Alone and the fact that the reason everything is blocks, all the characters are blocks and they're in these blocky environments is just that he knew how to program a game but he had absolutely no talent or, or <laughs> knowledge on how to do artwork at all. And because he was making the game on his own, everything was just blocks. And so the fact that he's managed through this the, the brilliant script and, and, and uh, Danny Wallace's narration to bring so much personality to what are just squares and oblongs is, is fantastic. Actually, he's a really good um, person to follow on Twitter and what yeah. have you. He, he actually interacts with a lot of the fans and if anybody sort of brings up any of his games and what have you, mm. he will reply back to them and what have you. And as far as I know, um, for people looking... Uh, sort of charity events and things like that he's done a lot of free codes and things for his games um, so he actually does seem to be one of the nice guys in gaming so he does well if anyone hasn't you know get, got to the game yet um, I'll you know certainly talk about it again when I hopefully finish it up by you know the next time that we're, that we're talking mm -hmm. together about what we've been playing but um, it's obviously on everything now isn't it and it's really it's often on sale because I, I picked it up on Wii U at the start of the year and I literally think it was a couple of quid like it was in it had been you know um reduced so much and I'm presuming it's constantly on sale on things like Steam and possibly the uh, other kind of digital stores and it's even on is it on iOS as well I believe so yeah 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 so there's there's no excuse then <laughs> it's if anyone listening who hasn't played it yet it really is worth you know trying out because even if it's not your cup of tea that you haven't you're not going to you know have broken the bank to give it a try uh, so to break from the, the little games that everyone else has been playing. I've been playing a game that I would absolutely not recommend to a lapsed gamer. I uh, lost touch with reality this week. <laughs> <laughs> the new shiny shiny. Yeah, and uh, sunk about 20 hours into the AAA game du jour, uh, Ubisoft Massive's new release, uh, The Division, or sorry, Tom Clancy's The Division, to give it its proper title. You do know he's dead, don't you? <laughs> Still got to give him credit. Um, yeah. It's a third-person MMO RPG shooter set in mid-apocalypse New York. Um, so 
the basic premise is that someone has released a weaponized version of the smallpox virus on um, banknotes in New York on Black Friday, and within uh, a few weeks, this the city's just turned into a, a massive quarantine zone where society's broken down, and there are roving gangs uh, on the streets, gangs of like, street gangs. Um, the former inmates of uh, Rikers Prison, um, a group of soldiers that were left behind who formed their own faction, and that the leader's gone a bit Colonel Kurtz, and um, a, a a group of uh, cleaners, um, former bin men, who have taken it upon themselves to wipe out the virus by burning everyone and everything in their sight. Uh, and um, <laughs> you basically play an agent of the division. These covert operatives that are activated when the catastrophe happens, and you go in and try and clean up New York. That's the basic premise. So basically, it's a quad-based, although you can play on your own through most of it, um, cover shooter, loot shooter, basically. The kicker of it is that there's an entire section of Manhattan that's that's uh, called the Dark Zone. That's like a quarantine part of New York within the rest of the quarantine zone. And in there, it's like everything, anything goes. Um, there are that's the only time that you will encounter other players unless you're matchmaking or playing with friends. And you run around and you you do the, the normal killing enemies. But anything, any of the loot you find in there, you have to extract. So you take it to an extraction point, call an extraction, and then you have an agonizing, terrifying ninety second wait for the chopper <laughs> to turn up. When you're being ambushed by AI players, but at any point any other players in the world with you can decide to turn on you, gun you down and steal your loot. And um, it's it's addictive. Like I said, I sunk, I sunk <laughs> about 20 hours into it over the past week and I've uh, I'm not no sign of stopping anytime soon. It's it, it reminds me a lot of Diablo in that you've got this constant like loop of uh, you play through a mission, get some new gear, play through the next mission, get slightly better gear, so on and so forth, until you get to the end game, and then it becomes, as far as I'm aware from what I've read, because I haven't reached that point yet, it becomes just like Diablo, where you're basically playing through challenge modes and and uh, special events and things like that to try and get the best guns and equipment. Um, they've managed to co-opt some of the Diablo-style elements, like putting gems and things like that on your weapon, but instead of the gems, they're just um, little upgrade slots that you can put in it. It's basically Diablo, but a shooter in the Tom Clancy world. Um, the way that they've managed to make New York look is absolutely beautiful, in like sort of like a broken sort of beauty, in that it's it's a, a almost one-to-one scale, pretty accurate depiction of Manhattan or central Manhattan it's not all of it because that would be too much but um, the map is huge and it's like um, if you remember the police station area of uh, and, and the surrounding area in Resident Evil 2 but stretched out over an entire city and minus the zombies because I'm sick to death of zombies um, <laughs> that's basically what it looks like uh, it's you can see plenty of footage of it on the internet I've put some um, footage of uh, me and some friends playing in the dark zone up on, up on the YouTube it's really good and has has that been has that been like a smooth um you know, game to play because obviously I'm although I'm completely out of the loop with the new releases. I know it's kind of like everywhere and loads of people are yeah. talking about it, but I've kind of seen a real mixture of you know some quite heavy criticism of people's kind of experience being able to get online and certain things oh, not quite working yeah. out. Whereas other people are saying that they've been 
you know, they've been not they haven't had those issues as much. No, there's been it's it's an online game, so there's been server yeah. problems. Uh, there was a lot of server strain when it first launched. Um, teething problems, yeah. Yeah, teething problems. There's been problems. There's been like server outages because it's an always online game. Even if you're playing it solo, if the if the servers are down while they're doing maintenance, then you can't get on, unfortunately. But apart from that, it's is incredibly smooth. There are no loading screens at all. Uh, once you're in the game, that's it. You've got this massive expanse of New York, and you'll never go through a loading screen at all, except for when maybe if you matchmake and you go into somebody else's instance, then you'll go through a loading screen. But apart from that, it runs incredibly smoothly. Um, it looks incredible. It plays very well. It's an addictive loot shooter. Um, <laughs> I can't get enough of it at the moment, but I would absolutely not recommend it to a lapsed gamer because you will, um, you'll, your family mm. life will suffer. <laughs> <laughs> if, um, if there are people listening though, and they they've got it and they they wouldn't mind like playing with yourself, is it e- would it be easy for them oh, to, it's, it's to so join easy. you? There's no, is there's not a cap on how many people you can play with, is there? No, no. Uh, well, no, there's, there's a cap. There's, you can only have four people in a mission at a time. Uh, four right, people in a, right. a five team at a time. So you just need um, like a team then, and you. Yeah. I take it you, it's your it's your regular guys that you play these these online shooters with then that you're playing that yeah with. um to be honest half of my friends list on ps4 at the moment is playing it so i've got no to play with. Um, <laughs> the only problem is because because there's the a pvp an optional pvp element in the dark zone they split it into brackets so you if you go into an instance if you're say between level 15 and level 20 and you want to join somebody who's below level 15 you won't be able to play together um, you have to be okay, within the same yeah. bracket as people to play in the dark zone. But apart from that, it's completely seamless uh, and very easy to get into games with people. Um, yeah, like I said, I- I'm really, really enjoying mm. it, uh, and I'm going to be uploading some more footage mm. uh, up to the YouTube at some point. In the There's future. a lot of camping in the dark zone. There's a lot of people ready to ambush you. N- so far, no. <laughs> um, it's not been as bad as I thought it would be. Uh, it's a problem with the. Um, because basically, when you're in the dark zone, you earn separate experience mm. in the dark zone. You earn a separate currency, and the risk reward at the moment for going rogue, as it's called, by killing um, other players, is is too imbalanced. So if you manage to kill another player and steal their loot, you don't get much experience. But if if you go rogue and somebody kills you, you lose loads. So not many people are doing it at the moment. But there hasn't been a day that's gone by where I've gone in the dark zone and haven't seen some rogue players on there. And then it's great because like you'll have one squad that's gone rogue and everybody else in the instance, which is like 30 odd other mm-hmm. people um, or something like that, just gang up on them and hunt <laughs> them down. <laughs> <laughs> And so that was the footage uploaded to the YouTube was um, me and uh, uh, and three friends teamed up with a bunch of other people that were knocking about in the dark zone and just hunted down this one group who'd gone rogue, <laughs> backed them into the corner in an alleyway where their only way out was to go through us and we just camped, we just held them in position until we'd gunned them down. <laughs> um, it's great. I really like it. Uh, I'm, v- I'm very impressed mm. by uh, because this game was hyped for so long. Yeah. And then it kind of went away. And then when the footage, the the actual gameplay footage came out, it didn't look quite as good as it did when they first announced it at E3, however long ago it was. It feels like a decade ago. Um, but I'm really impressed with what they've managed to do because this studio's never made anything quite like this. And uh, yeah, it should have a, a decent future as long as they can keep the content Yeah, up. I mean, they've talked about, is it Ubisoft made some comment? I think the exec or something has talked about Ubisoft mm. has been before the, the division. 
And after Division, yeah. this is like changed their whole future. Yeah, they're really banking everything mm. on this game, which which makes me feel that they are going to support it quite a lot. I mean, there's, it's got a season pass, of course it's got a season pass, so there's going to be paid for DLC in the future, but they have been talking about a lot of free stuff that they're going to be bringing in as well, so it should have should have a decent lifespan. And um, it's a good distraction from Destiny for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's replaced Destiny now, is it? Our 2016 version of Destiny. Yeah, at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because Destiny's got no content at the moment, or no new content, and no idea when there's going to be new content. So, yeah, the Division's uh, filling that gap for me. <laughs> You're just so fickle. <laughs> I know. <laughs> As recommended last week by um, Andy and Mark, uh, I've decided to dive into Broforce. <laughs> what a absolute rip-roaring... But bunch of fun that is mm. it's insane it's just so much hilarity <laughs> I've only played a couple of areas because I've been very busy this last week and with one thing or another life just gets in the way I've um, did a couple of levels and just love the sense of humour on it um, <laughs> I did find Bro Giver the most unmanageable player ever <laughs> he's just insane you, you, you cannot do anything with a character that runs around with sticks of dynamite. <laughs> he, he doesn't even throw him, he just puts him by his feet. Why did he kill AC? Yeah, he, he is. <laughs> but with less intelligence. <laughs> I See, I found the hardest one to use was um, the bro in black, Will Smith from... No, I found black. that... I found that the best one. Really? It was just but wiping the, uh, people out. The tiny, what's it called? The tiny cricket? Or the little cricket? Whatever that little tiny yeah. pistol from yeah. Penny Black was. <laughs> it just causes so much devastation and chaos. <laughs> yeah, you I can't get up, anywhere. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you, you go to shoot a few guys and then suddenly you've destroyed your path to the next bit of the level. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the next bit of the level, just the whole level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a game with, with quite as many explosions as there are in the Force. <laughs> I've actually bought an extra controller so that my partner can join me. So we're going to uh, plan on doing a um, couch play sometime soon. So uh, that's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. It's another big tick for you know PS Plus against all the, the haters. I still think it's delivering. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. This, yeah, this yeah. month in particular, like I said last week, with Broforce and... Um, Galaxy, which I, I, I would I need to go back and play some more of that because that game is absolutely fantastic as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I hearing you talk about that actually, you, mm. you compared it to a game that I love, that um, Pixel Junk yeah. shooter. Yeah. Pixel so, shooter uh, yeah. yeah, so again, I'm kind of like ever itching towards, you know, maybe putting a PS4 on the old <laughs> Christmas list. <laughs> well, Sally, I dipped into the um, Fireman um, thing as well. I can't remember what the, the oh, game's yeah, called. Flame Over. Flame, Flame Over. over. Yeah, yeah um, only dipped into that because obviously my daughter was around and didn't want to be playing a, some crazy shooter while she were around. <laughs> so I started playing that and that is incredibly tough. <laughs> You've really got to try it. It's like I've got about three rooms into the first burning level and just can't get any further. I just end up getting fried. So I've realised that uh, career in firefighting is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> but career in explosions is... Well, definitely on the cards, yeah. But that's about it. That's all I've done this week. Um, like I said, life gets in the way. Yeah. Well, you picked a good game to play anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great fun. <laughs> I think I've only done about 45 minutes on it, if that, and um, just loved every minute of it. 
just a couple of games this week. Um, first one I will talk about, which I've completed, would be the Order eighteen eighty six. How many games <laughs> completed um, now, Andy? Uh, fourteen. Incredible. I hate to think what you were like before you were a lapsed gamer. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I blame you lot. Yeah. It's I, have to, I have to talk about something. I have to talk about something every week. Something different. It's like <laughs> so. Yeah, the order um, 1886. I talked about the graphics, how brilliant it was. Um, the depth of the world is. I loved it. That steampunk. Um, style. I mean, the story has like the Knights of the Round Table from Camelot from King Arthur, who've got the Holy Grail and the long lived, um, but they're not immortal, they can die. And if a knight dies, they are replaced by somebody else, but they gain one of the knight's names, so like Sir Percival or Sir Gwain or Sir Galahad. So they're like Highlanders, so basically. Yeah, essentially, but we don't get our heads cut off. It the story itself raises so many questions. It ends on you could say it's like a prologue. Um it does end with with you having a bit of an agency. I'm not gonna reveal the ending as such, but you I, I felt something at the end of this game. Um I mean, the story, many elements aren't finished. Yeah, so, did, did you feel sadness that there's probably never gonna be a sequel? <laughs> I, I want mean. a sequel to this game I want a sequel to this game because I think the world and the ideas they have were so deep and so interesting that I'm surprised there's not much more going around about um, the, the lore about it all and everything it was very um, well realised yeah I think yeah. people were just turned off by the fact that it was well I haven't played it but from, from what I heard of people who had played it it was just kind of an average cover shooter hmm well, the shooting mechanics are really good, I think. Mm. I really do think the shooting mechanics are really good. But in terms of player agency, it is very linear. Mm. That's the biggest problem with it. But because I came off Grim Fandango and went straight into the Order, <laughs> it play, it, if you think about the Order, and, I think, and I'll talk about why I think there's a big problem with it, if you think of the order as one of the telltale games, you will get a lot out of it because, mm. in terms of what it is, you are following a storyline. There's no deviation in it. Like with The Walking Dead, you are following a storyline. Fair enough, there's deviation in your choices, but there's not much to do in terms of gameplay as such, player agency. Maybe you search for something or you talk to this person here. And this is what you do you just talk, you follow the story, and essentially, it is like an adventure game. Where it went wrong, I think, was partly in the marketing, and the people thought it was a Gears of War. Um, yeah, it was never going to be a Gears of War contender. No, but it had, but it did have the potential with its shooting. But the way it is, is is an adventure game. And I had this sold it as an adventure game, it would have got probably better press because that's what it's like. It is an it is an adventure game. But I do hope there's a sequel. I mean, it did sell over a million copies. Um, I do hope Sony give it another chance. But it's ready at dawn. I've already shown they can do an amazing game with the two God of Wars on the PSP. They've also shown that they've got the graphics. They've also shown they can create the world. The story. Mm. They just now need to populate with a bit more variation in gameplay and actually let players take control of the character for a shooter mm. 
So, not so have not have so many scenes where you're just walking down a corridor talking to old men. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and maybe too many scenes in Parliament and all the all the time. But that does add depth, for, and I do think it's a much maligned, undervalued, underrated game. Um, the second one was Tomb Raider: The Definitive Edition on the PS4. Um, yeah, once again, it's very cinematic in its feel, you know. Mm. The way the camera angles show different ways of when you're um, either on high levels or you're jumping, it changes so much that it does feel like you are in a movie. Um, so far, it is a survival story of Laura. I can understand why people maybe are a bit annoyed there's no tombs, but you have got a whole island to play with. So <laughs> I don't, you know, it does show you at the beginning of a career. One of the things I do have a problem with, I think, right at the start, she gets speared at the side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then it's never mentioned again. It's never mentioned again. Walk um, it off. Yeah. Well, she did. <laughs> but that is a real problem because you've created a scene where she gets speared. You saw mm. For five, ten minutes, you've got her stumbling about. And then all of a sudden, she's performing jumps left right and center rolls dodging you know she's like she's never got it and then you get about partway through the game and all of a sudden it comes back and she does a, a john rambo where she um uses an arrow to cauterize the wounds <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there were a lot of uh, occurrences of, of what they call ludo narrative yeah. dissonance in um in tomb raider there was there's that scene early on where she's uh, where a, a, one of the bad guys is getting very creepy with her and she's forced to kill him. Yeah. And she's really shaken up because she's just killed a guy. And then within half an hour, you've moaned down 20, 30 yeah. dudes. <laughs> yeah. Mm. With no repercussions whatsoever. She goes from being, oh my God, I just killed someone to turning into a murderer. Yeah. A mass murderer. <laughs> <laughs> she gets turned into a toad later on as well. That's, uh, she gets uh, better. That's better for Lee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you what think it would have been a different experience um, if it had been a male protagonist as opposed to a female? One? Well, I always think it's like an uncharted um, yeah, stab exactly. at it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it feels like it's their response. It's, it's a good response, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Damn strong, yeah. 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 But Uncharted never went that far to spear Drake. You know, they never went as far to say Drake is seriously no. injured. There's instances no, where... He gets, he gets beaten up a bit, yeah. but that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> I just felt it was a bit off and, yeah, that sort of thing. But I'll tell you what, mm. when you die... They go for oh it. God. They really go <laughs> they for it. <laughs> Spectacular. Oh, unbelievable. Oh, it's so grim. I know, so I think I've been speared through Crunch. her belly, speared through her throat, arrows, about ten arrows have pierced her. She's been crushed. Mm. It's like, you, you start like saying, well, I'll just kill her just to see what actually happens. <laughs> yeah, they they went into. There's one particular section I had some trouble with where she's uh, being swept down a. Oh uh, yes, around some rapids. Yeah, and I kept on hitting spiky yeah. um, obstacles in the way, and they took such glee <laughs> yeah. in murdering her in the most disgusting ways and it, it yeah it felt a bit ill after watching a couple of them. So I just want this section to yeah. be over. It's horrible. <laughs> so. Yeah, you've uh, you've sort of mentioned obviously the the action mm. set pieces and it's very cinematic. And you mentioned about like the, the lack of presence of tombs, but there there still is that puzzle element to the game, isn't there? Or is it you know is it completely devoid of some no. of the more traditional Tomb Raider gameplay design? There's tombs there, 
you know, when you go past the tomb, it'll suddenly ding-a-ling, but there's a tomb nearby. Yeah. And then you can go into mm. the tomb and you, it will reveal treasure maps. Because there's a lot, there's a lot, hell of a lot of collectibles, collectibles in this thing. Um, mm. But they're not a main thing. The main thing is you are going through this island, which is quite, it's got quite a lot of, um, what would you call it? It goes from different environments to different environments. It's unbelievable, this island. It seems like America one thing, then the, the Antarctic, then the um, Alps. It's mm. it's an unbelievable island. So, That's uh, so, such a small yeah, space. Yeah, in such a small space. The um, ecosystem. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the tombs are a big thing. It's just following this story of her one on her one of her first adventures. One other thing I've got a problem is she's freezing. I know, I know you can change your outfits. I know you can change your outfits, but she's in, <laughs> she's in a vest. It's freezing. Just nick one yep. of the guys you've murdered, one of his coats, and then you won't be so cold. Andy, she might actually be from Newcastle. Newcastle birds don't do that, do they? They oh, just true. wear a vest all yeah, the time. I, year round. I thought his criticism was going to be that, you know, the, the nipples, like, through the shirt. I, I'm, not, I'm, not the shirt I'm not bringing it that low. I'm not bringing Chapel it that low. Chapel hat pegs. <laughs> that's it, I'll that's it. I'll <laughs> But yeah, overall, it's good. It's got a sort of like, um, I hate the term, but it's got a bit of a Metroidvania uh, aesthetic about it as well, in that it's divided up into these zones yeah. with like uh, pathways that connect them all. But you'll pass openings and, and like uh, entrances to, to various areas that you can't get to unless you've got the particular yeah. piece of equipment later on in the game, and then you have to go back and, and, uh, and then explore those areas. We could always call that a crystal vein, a uh, crystal, crystal maze. Um. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, it's just like the crystal maze, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's also, it's incredibly well written as well by, um, is it Rihanna Pratchett? Yeah, yeah, Pratchett. Uh, Pratchett. Yeah, it is well written. Yeah, uh, Terry Pratchett's daughter, yeah. Very, very really? well written, yeah. But then you, but yeah. you can see where her story is, um, is conflicting with the video game tropes and the need to be a video game. Had it been maybe a novel or a film, it would have been a better type of um, story but you can see where the conflicts happen but yeah it's really good I'd, I'd recommend it as a lapsed gamer because it's not difficult to control it's um, there's quite a lot of cutscenes um, QTEs so yes mm. yes there's there's a, there's a there are a good few cuts uh, QTEs <clears throat> in, in cutscenes and things like that in but, fact um, I'd, I'd highly recommend yeah, it as in well. fact this is what the order 1886 should have been more like mm. it's hard to get Russian rapids in um, London though, <laughs> isn't it, in 1886 except the sewers yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey but we've got blimps we managed to get a lot of things into that for <laughs> Here's the news for this week. Um, first of all, Diablo 2 is getting a new patch 16 years after its release. Uh, this was reported by Kotaku. Um, 16 years after it was released, and despite there being an incredibly popular third installment of the series, Diablo 2 uh, got a new patch. Blizzard reported that they returned to the classic PC dungeon crawler to fix some more bugs and improve the cheated detection system. Uh, Blizzard stated, It's been a long time coming, but today we're releasing 1.14a for Diablo 2. This update focuses on system glitches introduced by modern operating systems. In, in related news, 
you can finally retire those old Mac Power PCs. Included in the update is a shiny new installer for OS X. We've also begun working to improve our cheat detection and hack prevention capabilities. There's still work to be done, but we're making improvements every day. The journey starts by making Diablo 2 run on modern platforms, but it does not end there. See you in Sanctuary Adventures. Needless to say, it's incredibly unusual for a company to return to an old game, especially one that's been superseded in order to patch it. But speaking of that, Warcraft 3 is also getting a patch 14 years after its release. Um, this story... going for a Guinness Book of World Records. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, reported by Polygon. Uh, Warcraft 3, originally released in 2002, is getting a series of new patches starting on March 15th. Um, Robert Bridenbecker, lead developer for Blizzard's Classic Games Group, appeared in a video uh, seemingly addressed specifically to the Chinese community of Warcraft 3 players uh, to announce that the game will be getting new patches and these patches will be available globally. I had absolutely no idea that Warcraft 3 was such a big deal in, in China. I know that StarCraft, even original StarCraft, is still huge in South Korea, but I don't really know too much about the Chinese gaming market, but... Yeah, seemingly Warcraft 3 is a big deal out there. And we're talking, so this is like the online component, because I wasn't even aware that, you know, that, that those sort of servers would still be supported. Or are they, or is it still going to be giving you um, lots of single-player content with these patches as well? I don't think so. I think it's it's um, it's just going to be patches to the, the, the multiplayer. Yeah. It, it did have a very robust... Uh, and very enjoyable multiplayer if if you if RTSs was your sort of thing. I did, I did used to play a lot of Warcraft 3, but I I completely forgotten that it even existed. <laughs> I mean, that predates World of Warcraft, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, no, it does. So I think yeah. obviously that must yeah. have been the subsequent direction they took that, that kind of universe to. Yeah, I know that gaming is kind of taking off uh, in a big way in China, but the, the, the sort of games that are, that are taking off is... is quite unusual i don't know whether it's got anything to do with restrictions on the sort of games that they're out there allowed to have access to in china or mm, not. I, I was just about that. to say that yeah well, yeah there's a lot of restrictions on you know what websites you what can content access. yeah mm. what content you can have. well i mean this but, gives um, me much more uh, faith in a return to june 2 then like you know <laughs> surely yeah. like, they could just bring out an online a modern online only version of that then. this yeah, means you can to... play fifa 06 eventually <laughs> then <laughs> I think it says an awful lot about the longevity of Blizzard. Uh, the fact that they're still they're Definitely. still supporting the community fourteen to sixteen yeah. years um, after a lot of games have passed, and an awful lot of game studios and developers have all gone to the wall, so they mm. have. And yet, Blizzard are still there. I can kind of see it with Warcraft Three because they haven't made another, you know, RTS Warcraft game, and then they apart from Starcraft Two uh, and the various expansions for that, they haven't met, made another. Uh, RTS game, but Diablo 2 getting a patch, given that how popular Diablo 3 is, just that's very, very unusual. And that's that must be them obviously monitoring then how busy those servers still are, then you know, and that the audience yeah. must still exist for that. But so, yeah, I mean, it is incredible because I just we seem to be moving much more towards an environment where you know, even games that are probably five years or less mm-hmm. of getting their multiplayer components shut down if it's like an annualized ea sports game it's even less than that before they turn it <laughs> yeah <off. laughs> uh next new story is that jj abrams has confirmed that half-life and portal movies are still in development uh, this is reported by ign 
Uh, despite there not being any news for a couple of years, a planned Half-Life and Portal film adaptations are still in development and indeed have writers assigned, uh, according to J.J. Abrams. During an interview about the newly released 10 Cloverfield Lane, Abrams was asked if there was any news about the long-anticipated film adaptations of the beloved Valve games, and he stated, Not yet, but they're in development and we've got writers, and we're working on both those stories, but no, no, but nothing that would be an exciting update. In my opinion, if anyone can steer a half-decent movie adaptation of a video game onto screens and it's probably jj abrams definitely this seems to be a trend i mean we've got i think it's this year the assassin's creed yeah uh, film coming yeah. out yeah that's michael fassbender, michael fassbender. Yeah. yeah that's being helmed by i can't remember the guy's name but it was the same guy who directed that adaptation of macbeth that he was in recently that was very well received so oh right okay um i'm hoping that finally finally we might get some half decent you know video game adaptations on on the big screen oi 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 yeah i mean we were meant to get halo weren't we with um Neil yeah. Blomkamp yeah and peter, peter jackson, jackson was going to produce it that yeah, yeah that yeah. kind of fizzled out unfortunately i watched silent hill today yeah. that was pretty decent thank you very much i think that's a, i think that's a brilliant <laughs> film based on a video game <laughs> and, and and i hear that um Takeshi Miike's Ace Attorney film is worth a watch as well <laughs> oh, okay but in the grand scheme of things the video game adaptations I was going to say that um, you know if it's JJ Abrams' name attached to it, they could show an hour and a half of just the cake is a lie memes, and you know it would still sell. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you cast as Gordon Freeman? Ooh. Michael well, Fassbender. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Fassbender. <laughs> he's everything else. <laughs> Just give him a goatee and some glasses. If, if he's not going to talk, Tom Hardy would do. No, yeah. no, let's get Chris <laughs> Evans. He's not doing anything. Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they always, uh, you know, Brian Cranston's a name that always gets brought up in, uh, in relation to any role. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. From Bacon Badge. That's not a bad show, actually, but um, I'm pretty sure that that Gordon Freeman, his character in Half-Life was supposed to be in his late 20s or something like that. He never looked it in the, the artwork. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see what happens with those. Tying in with um, the film talk, I've got, I've got a really wacky one here from um, <laughs> Wired UK. Sonic the Hedgehog is going to make a live-action movie debut. Oh God, why? <laughs> I knew, I heard they were making a film. I didn't. Re- I just presumed it was animation. No, no. For some bizarre reason, the one person, uh, the one character you cannot actually do as a human, they're going to do a film, a live action film of it. It's going to be as bad as Super Mario Brothers. This one, isn't it? <laughs> you can only hope, anyway, because we need that just to, as balance. <laughs> We've been talking about um, Brian Cranston. We've been talking about uh, Michael Fassbender. I think it's about time we had something else, so, you know. So maybe we should get Adam Sandler to do this. Oh, God, no, please. <laughs> Actually, I don't care. It I, would I never, be awesome. I never cared for Sonic, so <laughs> let, him, That's it. let him ruin that franchise. Let Sandler have it. <laughs> well, there was, uh, there was the great martial art expert dressed in that uh, frog outfit, wasn't there, in um, Takeshi Miike's uh, Yakuza Apocalypse. So, yeah, I can kind of, like, see how they might uh, do something like that with Sonic. <laughs> apparently they've got two screenwriters attached already um no directors have been named surprisingly <laughs> now whether all these are going to be still involved by the end of it we don't know <laughs> apparently it's been in um the works for the last five years so we're expecting to see something in 2018 
good luck with that one. I never understood the fascination with Sonic. I, I was always a Nintendo kid when I got up. I tried to play Sonic games and I never cared for Sonic as a character and I'd never liked the games at all. The only thing I the only time I could play Sonic was when I was whizzing my tits off as a, a youth. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only time it made any sense. Yeah. <laughs> it, I did play them for because I had the uh, Master System game gear in Mega Drive and I must admit I still do have affection for the for the first couple in the entry. I think it was when they moved to a uh, sort of 3D that I just they kind of were, they I feel like they are were broken yeah. a lot of the, a lot yeah, of the time. Yeah, they destroyed it. Yeah, I think the first what <laughs> Sonic 1, 2 and 3 and Sonic CD still probably hold up reasonably well, but I think yeah. anything after that has been yeah, terrible. There's fans of Sonic Adventure um so there is but that's what? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> So I don't. Um, I was actually just thinking there whenever they're going through casting. Method actor Daniel Day Lewis is Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, that'd be awesome. He'd have to spend a just year imagine, as a hedgehog. Just, exactly. <laughs> just imagine how many times he'd get hit by a car. While we're on the subject of Sonic, just a little plug for a, a um, YouTube channel that I, I rate very highly, uh, Super Bunny Hop. George Weidman, who runs that channel, did a 40-minute long video, actually, last week, um, where he went through every single mainline Sonic game and reviewed the first level of each one to see how the series had progressed and how they'd learnt and where they'd managed to colossally fuck up. Um, <laughs> and even as someone who doesn't care for Sonic, it was a very good watch, so I'd say check that out. Next up in the news, we've got some quite distinctly weird news. The number of physical stores selling video games has actually jumped in the year 2015. 6,609 stores sold games in the UK last year, a rise of 1,337 over 2014. The data comes from GFK and retail trade body ERA. Every store that type that increased last year, including electrical change, up by three stores, music and video specialists up by 21, name specialists up by eight, and general multiples up by 98. However, the biggest growth area in the supermarket sector especially was more than 1200 with gross grocery outlets selling games yeah these are still astonishing numbers um let's face it we've had reports of the whole industry trying to turn against physical media at the moment you know um, especially led by microsoft who are trying to ditch actual publishers never mind anything else so for, <laughs> so for us to actually have an upturn it's always a, a good thing that means that there's still plenty of people in jobs, in real jobs, in real shops, in real places. And it means that I can still buy my second-hand games about four years down the line. <laughs> yeah, no, I was amazed. Like, you know, we, we were saying off air about, you know, that the, there's a rise then in bricks and mortar shops coming back. And I guess that would be music to the ears of uh, collectors. Um, yeah, I'm just interested, I guess, long-term, whether that's going to be... Like, I wonder whether that will see an upward spike, an upward trend continue in the next couple of years or whether this is a, I don't know. Like anomaly? A, 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 an anomaly. Mm. And it's also, I'd be intrigued to know, digging into the, the numbers, how, you know, like it's saying that certain, certain things, certain stores are selling a certain type of media and they're being included in those figures. Mm. I'd be intrigued to know, like, how much, um, how prominent they are within those. Like, for example, there are definitely supermarkets who have barely got any game sections at all. They still arguably sell games, but they are like so it's like literally the top 10 and then it's gone the next week you know it's, there's no longer you can't you couldn't browse their selection if yeah you know what I mean. yeah but you look on the supermarket side of things and this last year it's been a real 
change of the of the whole playing field anyway because you've got your yeah. bargain supermarkets coming up and Tesco have been closing down supermarkets left, right and centre. So it's certainly not them. So I, yeah. I think it yeah. does tend to be your smaller shop that's actually popping up all over the place. I was just going to say, certainly in Northern Ireland, the number of sort of brick-and-mortar shops that be selling um, games has particularly went down. Um, there was a number of games that actually closed over here. Now, CEX has mm. made um, some inroads um, over the last couple of years, and there's maybe a couple more shops. Um, but certainly within, say, an hour's driving distance, um, I'd be hard-pushed to come up with um, sort of four or five of them. Um, so it, certainly there's maybe two games and uh, maybe three computer exchanges um, that would be mm. within easy driving distance of less than an hour you know in reality and even just saying there about sort of the music market and what have you um i'd really need to go up to belfast um so it's sort of a 40 minute drive um or a little bit more um do you actually get the nhmv um or the head music that would be up there now there are some independent retailers um scattered about but they're few and far between uh so they are over here yeah i'm in a, a similar situation i live in a fairly rural area of England. I'm one of the few counties that doesn't actually have a city um, in Northamptonshire. Or electric. No, no, we've got we've got electric. But <laughs> You've got Alan we've Moore. Got, we've got <laughs> Alan Moore, we do. We do. Yeah, I'll say you win. Exactly, yeah. I've, I've actually seen him in Northampton a couple of times because there's a particular comic book shop that he likes to frequent. But, um, and he's hard to miss. Yes, yeah. <laughs> But, um, Especially with his withers, wizard's hat. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I've had the same problem. Like the the local CEX is quite small, and they never. I, I don't think I've seen a single used Wii U game in there. I don't know whether that's just because people like trading in Wii U games, but um, I don't ever see any in there. I was quite surprised by the fact that the the the, the the biggest growth area has been in the supermarket sector because I can't, I don't think I've ever bought a game from a supermarket. I've bought, no, me neither. I ordered a couple of Amiibo from uh, Tesco Direct when they had <laughs> yeah. those on offer. Uh, but I mean, but all the supermarkets nearby me, like uh, Asda and, and Tesco's and whatnot, they've got game sections, but none of them have a Nintendo section at all. Yeah, there's the games to life has literally been like an opportunity for them just to close it down yeah. like i'm amazed considering how well the 3ds you know sold for so long um but that was all shunted mm. out like in a lot of supermarkets it's, it, they've just really expanded the toys to life and yeah. i'm not talking about amiibo it's much more lego dimensions you know, like lego yeah. dimensions and that's yeah. the thing it's yeah. like in my local tesco's there is no nintendo section at all but where there could possibly be space for it there is nothing but lego dimensions just packs and packs and packs of lego dimensions or, or skylanders oh, that's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing at all no um but the actual you know the apart from like the games that are in the, the top 10 or top 20 for for xbox mm. one yeah, yeah. exactly the representation nothing. isn't isn't right you know and that's i'd still love to see you know like a, a traditional game shop that you know, yeah bizarrely i mean uh, some of the older consoles yes. as well as you know what the, the yeah. current gen i'd love to see somebody selling a game boy <laughs> I think with the supermarkets, it probably actually comes down to the price points. Um, so it does mm. because, yes. you know, if you want to keep your children away from um, game shops, that's easily enough done. But it's harder to do if you're actually out shopping with them um, in a supermarket. Yeah. And certainly if it comes down to the pester par, if you see a game sitting on the shelf for 40 quid, you're definitely going to say no. 
But if you see one of the Lego Dimensions or a Skylander, etc., for maybe fifteen pound, maybe a little bit less, you know, that's yeah. that's a maybe. Um, so it is. So certainly for the supermarkets, it's in their best interest to put, um, push those just because of the price point. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Especially from the industry's point of view, because um, there's so many retailers are still complaining that they're not making enough percentage. You know, the the percentage of profit on a, a game is ridiculously narrow, to say the least. So to start getting squeezed by online sales it's even harder <laughs> and don't game love to wring every little penny out of that <laughs> oh <my> gosh, yeah. <laughs> every <Yep>. week <laughs> mind yeah. you i mean they corner the market if for a lot of releases in the uk for if you wanted to get the special edition like um i'm very excited for dark souls 3 coming out in a couple of weeks if I wanted to get the special edition of Dark Souls 3, I could only get it from game, so I will not be getting the special edition on principle alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even, even with their, their, well, the exclusives and what have you, I think that for a long while their um, game was the only place you could get Xenoblade Chronicles Cross um, in the special edition, yep. and they were charging an absolute premium for that. And 60 on yeah. pounds. And from what I've read, you know, it doesn't even come with the USB stick with the soundtrack on it that the US got. I think it was nope. a steelbook and an art book. And that's it. You yeah. know, for that, it's really not worth the price. And then Game mm. have been um, have a terrible reputation for the pre-orders, um, for cancelling mm-hmm. them or delaying <laughs> them, and um, and or everything. triple uh, triple charging. Oh, yeah, people that was right it. as well. Yeah. <laughs> so conventional wisdom has always suggested that the internet spelled the end for physical entertainments in stores. But these numbers show that traditional retail still has a place, particularly for impulse purchases and gifts. After all, you can't gift wrap a download or a Steam. <laughs> so uh, our next story comes from uh, Eurogamer, and that's that uh, Total War Warhammer has been delayed by a month and is now due on the 24th of May. Total War creative director Mike Simpson said, this could be the best Total War game we've ever made. We don't want to rush it. Uh, the reason for the delay is a little unclear, although Simpson suggests that the team is eager to ensure a few copies are sent out well in advance of release. Uh, he also stated that it's an enormous game, and we also want to make absolutely sure reviewers have enough time to play it thoroughly before launch. That's just common sense. Yeah, yeah. Ex- yeah, like we were saying uh, last week uh, about yeah. pushing mm. back uh, Uncharted. Yep. Uh, I think it was last week. It was. It was, yeah. No, I agree. You was, I think you would evoke the sentiments that Miyamoto often has said. Yes. That, you know, like if you a, a game, um, if you rush a game, it'll be bad forever. Whereas if you just wait for the game to be ready, it mm. could be great for you know, it could it could live on. You know, it could be mm, achieve its exactly. full potential. So I totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been able to play any of the Total War games for a while because my computer is not as fit as it once was, but um, I used to absolutely love, love those games, Total War Rome and um, Shogun and uh, oh, yeah, Shogun 2. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant game. So um, I'm not really well versed in the Warhammer universe, but if if I build a new PC at some point in the near future, I'll be checking that one out. Yeah, the only thing I ever checked out was um, Space Marine. Space Marine. <laughs> <laughs> but that was just because it looked so ludicrously over the yeah. top. I thought, yes, you got to go for this one. I'm just disappointed that it didn't go with Total Warhammer as opposed to Total War Warhammer. It just sounds a little awkward. (laughs) (laughs) It was the trick there. Okay, uh, there are a number of Nintendo Selects um, coming out on the 15th of April um, for some slightly older must-have Wii U games. They include uh, New Super Mario Bros. U and also including the, at the time, package-exclusive New Super Mario Luigi U. Uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, Wii Party U, 
The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker HD and LEGO City Undercover uh, which has held its price point at about £50 uh, recently so it has um, although there are issues with loading times um, potentially up to about 30 seconds or so between levels uh, which mm. might put some people off but certainly dropping more than half price um, for what it was and um, for a game that is actually hard to get at a decent price anyway, um, that will tempt an awful lot of people. Yeah, I'll buy that. <laughs> so that's uh, they're coming, we believe, middle of April. Because um, I think we mentioned in the past on another episode that the, we, you know there was a leak that some other titles were being added to the selects range, and I'm really pleased with some of the titles they've put out. I mean, Wind Waker at that price is an absolute bargain. We Party U is meant to actually be, you know, a very good iteration of that. Um, series Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze I bought digitally in a sale at Christmas from what I've played so far it's, it's absolutely beautiful and another incredibly well designed 2D platformer so yeah some really good bargains there I, I really like Wind Waker anyway I love the graphic style bizarrely we were talking about um, Cell Shaded last week and um, I just loved the different sidestep they did with that that was just such a wacky idea at the time but good god it looks good yeah, as, as a as a, a, a long time fan, I'd still absolutely love the original Donkey Kong Country on uh, on the SNES. I'll definitely be picking up Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, and uh, I'll be picking up Wind Waker as well because it's one of my favourite games in the Zelda series. So, uh, just a, a new story or something really just uh, that had happened in the Nintendo Direct because there was a conspicuous absence of Nintendo Direct coverage on the on the last <laughs> episode. Um, my personal highlight was uh, the fact that they are bringing SNES games to the new 3DS, so that's going to be like an addition or an enhancement of the that's virtual big console. News. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's brilliant. I mean I. I feel bad in a sense that you have to have a new 3DS to be able to play them, and I think Stuart's going to help us clarify a kind of statement that Nintendo released about that in a moment. But yeah, no, really, music to ways that they're, they're bringing these games. Uh, this is from... Uh, I'm actually looking at the tech section on the Daily Star's website but I'm sure it's been covered elsewhere but um, <laughs> they're just saying yes like Nintendo has finally listened to their fans and revealed that during the latest Nintendo Direct presentation that SNES uh, games will now be available on the new 3DS handhold uh, as part of the virtual console library so the hugely popular move will be rolled out in three waves first of all you're going to get Super Mario World F-Zero and Pilot Wings uh, and they're available right now and then um, later in March on the 24th you're going to get Donkey Kong Country Earthbound and Super Mario Kart and the final set of releases scheduled for the middle of April along with those selects that we mentioned before will be Super Metroid Donkey Kong Country 2 and A Link to the Past now I hope that doesn't mean that's all there's going to be is that is that, are they saying that's just what they're going to put out then like I'm hoping that's just going to be the yeah I'm guessing that's just what they've releases. announced at the moment I'm sure during the next nin- Nintendo Direct whenever that will be um, there will be yeah. hopefully a couple more um, coming out yeah. um, what Nintendo have actually said in their statement um, was that as previously announced new Nintendo 3DS has an improved CPU which enables Super NES games to run on the system with quality results the Super NES games also include pixel perfect mode which allows players to see their game in their original TV resolution and aspect resolution um, so while the wording of the um, does sound a little bit iffy um, and a way of selling new Nintendo 3DSs, you know, the CPU in the new 3DS is better than the old one. Um, I think it's also worth noting that a couple of those titles that have been announced, it's actually the first time um, that they will have been released in 60Hz um, in the UK market, um, which is interesting and certainly um, a highlight for the fans. 
yeah, definitely. And uh, that's from Nintendo Life, isn't it? It is, yeah, that came from Nintendo Life. Yeah. Yeah, so you can you know go onto that website if you want to find out more. But yeah, no, very keen to hear of anyone if, if they've already you know downloaded some of those Super Nintendo games and played them on 3DS. How they how they're finding them? I'll, I'll certainly be uh, picking them up when I get some more you know credit for the eShop. Well, even as a first wave, those titles are incredible. So it's always worth having a go at. Yeah, it's just a pain that they don't um, they haven't allowed you to download them for free if you've already purchased them because some of those games yeah. I've already bought twice. Like already, like on the virtual console on the Wii, and now the I was going to say Lee, the Nintendo yeah, way, though. I can't believe Lee's only bought <laughs> one or two of those twice. <laughs> <laughs> Even I own at least four versions of uh, Link to the Past and what have you. Know with the Nintendo games, you just keep buying them, so you know, they keep releasing them and you keep buying them. Well, it works for them. It does, yeah. It's part of the upgrade cost of getting a new console with Nintendo. So, uh, as reported by Eurogamer, Microsoft are going to let Xbox One games connect with PC and other console networks. Microsoft has announced its support for cross-network play, allowing Xbox owners to play games with anyone on PC or PlayStation. I'm a bit unsure about the, that last bit, whether they'll let them play on PlayStation, because both Sony and Xbox have said in the past that it's just not possible. Um, the statement is there, Microsoft will now support Windows 10 and Xbox One owners playing with others on different networks. Idea Xbox boss... Chris Charla wrote, in addition to natively supporting cross-platform play between Xbox One and Windows 10 games that use Xbox Live, we're enabling developers to support cross-network play as well. This means players on Xbox One and Windows 10 using Xbox Live will be able to play with players on different online multiplayer networks, including other console and PC networks. Of course, it's up to game developers to support this feature, and Xbox Live players will always have the option of choosing to play only with other Xbox Live players. Uh, The first game to support cross-network play will be Rocket League, although at first only with regular PC and Xbox One owners. I I read about this earlier, actually, on the the, the Rocket League subreddit, and people were already trying to work out whether there would be a way if somebody was to start a private match on PC, whether they could invite people from both Xbox and PlayStation to play them, because there's already cross-platform play between PC and PlayStation on Rocket League. I hope that comes to fruition because it's there's there's so many games that are on both the big consoles that you have no way of being able to play mm. with, with other people. It would be nice in the future. I mean, like I've got friends who've got Destiny who I've never been able to play with because they've only got an Xbox One. Mm. And it's, I don't think it's going to be a case where I'd be able to play with them uh, in the near future. But if games in the future do allow cross-network play between the two consoles, and if Sony plays ball as well, then... then I mean, that's a utopia, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, game is, yeah. we're the winners. See, this is where I just read it as uh, Microsoft just want to have a friend. Yeah. <laughs> this strikes me a bit as like, um, not so much backpedaling, but desperately trying to make good <laughs> after a couple of weeks of horrible news with the, the UWP program and then shutting down Lionhead and... Uh, there's been a lot of uh, bad press around the company recently, so <laughs> I hope this comes true. Well, while it's not initially stated, um, it could actually work out quite nicely for Nintendo. Um, so it could, with the mm. assumed oh, yeah. launch of the NX um, coming later in the year, if they can get third-party support um, for the NX, that'll mean a big deal to a lot of people. So well, because it means they get to have just one console, hopefully under their TV, where they can play Nintendo games and all the other games, which oh, are then cross-platform. Can you imagine? Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> that would be the dream. That is but, utopia. Uh, <laughs> we've talked about this before, haven't we? Um, yeah. About the possibility of third-party support, and still not entirely sure how much Nintendo care about third-party support. They probably should, um, because it would just it would be mean more money for them, and know how how long they can continue to survive on just their first-party products. But I hope that the NX does is comparable to the the Xbox One and, and the PS4, and can support third-party games as well. If it does and you know that news um, does come to fruition for them then hopefully um, it will help, certainly help them um, but mm. we'll just have to wait and see it'll depend on what format the NX takes uh, mm. so well and mm. you know as um, Mark was saying they're just the, the spec of it I hope it still comes out in black <laughs> of course, it'll come out in white as well of course it will it'll come out in white first and then you'll pay a premium to get it in black later on <laughs> like they did with the Wii U that, that rings a bell <laughs> and then two years down two years down the line you'll get be able to get it in red and blue yeah <laughs> and then Mario colours yeah <laughs> So I've had a few bits of feedback from our Twitter feed. Um, Steve's got him back in touch with us. That's Duke Box Z. Um, just saying he enjoyed the AGTA show that we put out the other week. Um, for the future games, he'd want to see them set somewhere in the UK so they can make comments about UK culture. That would be great. I would love to see some chavs robbing a spa near you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe get an achievement for tucking your tracksuit into your socks for a week. I don't know. <laughs> They'd have to have a mission called Cheeky Nando's. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Andy Palmer's just caught up with us as well. He's, he's wading into the backlog. There is actually... Um, generated because he's not realised we're back online and back in full harness. Part of uh, part of the reason that we've come back and uh, become a little bit more regular in in 2016 is that Andy Palmer kept on pestering me via uh, Twitter and, and uh, text message and email to like, when's the next episode of Lapse Game? It hasn't been one in ages. <laughs> so um, he was he was part of the catalyst that that helped us uh, get back on track this year. So thanks very much for that, Andy. Yeah, it's the kick up the arse we needed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Dan Ragnar, Ragnar's been on it as as well, just in Noel's, um, but he's always on it as as well. <laughs> <laughs> he's got loads. If we've got loads of tweets from both of them. <laughs> as again, if you'd like to uh, contact us, then there are various forms you can get in contact with us via. Uh, you can email us at lapsgamerradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet at us at Lapsed Gamer, and there's the uh, Lapsed Gamer Radio Facebook page. Yep, so if you've got any kind of questions or anything really that you'd like us to read out or discuss on the show, then do get in touch. So thanks again to, to Stuart for joining us uh, this episode. Hopefully we'd like to have you back on again sometime in the future, that's all right with you? Yes, of course. Um, I'd quite happily be a semi-regular guest if um, the opportunity arises. Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. And thanks again to Justin Knowles for his uh, question uh, from earlier in the episode. Uh, just a quick reminder, uh, if you are planning on playing along with Grim Fandango Remastered with us, uh, that's our upcoming uh, game for the community to play along with, and we're planning on recording that episode towards the end of this month. So if you do plan on playing it, then get cracking. Yeah, all right then. I'll take the message. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm horribly behind on it, oh. so I've got to catch up over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> so ongoing... Think about what your favourite game opening is. We're going to do something about it soon. We don't know when. We're not really that together with this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, 
Think about your favourite game opening. If you had a virtual Hall of Fame for game openings, what was your favourite level? You know, when you first opened that game, what is it that makes it special? Think about it. See what sticks out in your memory. And um, we'll do a feature on it sometime soon. And, uh, you know, just trying to further, uh, you know, open the lines of communication between us and the listeners in the community that we're hoping to build. Um, I've set up a new Laps Gamer Radio Facebook group and uh, I have added a bunch of people in. I hope they take that in the spirit it was intended. If you, you know, if it's an annoyance and you're not interested in, obviously you can remove yourself, but hopefully if you're listening, do find the group uh, on Facebook, just Laps Gamer Radio and add yourselves. It's completely open to the public and, uh, you know, come and chat to us. Yep, and, uh, you know, that's going to be another... Uh, forum for us really to try and offer advice and assistance to to lapsed gamers of how they can get you know back into the hobby not just the video games you know there's already been some posts about uh, board gaming you know tabletop gaming as well so that's all good so uh, let us know if you'd like to be on a future episode with us we'd like to we'd love to hear uh, some some more voices on here i think you're getting bored of hearing the four of us so it was nice to have Stuart on here to have a, a new voice uh, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Glad to be here, thank you. So, uh, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.